Hello, true crime lovers. My name is Haley. And I'm Richa. And you are listening to Dimes of Crime. I don't know. This is episode like 16 or something. Yeah, I can't do the math right now on how many we've released, how many we have <laughs> in our bank and what number this is going to be. But it's in the double digits, guys. And this is our second week in a row where we're doing two nights of recording recording back to back. So Haley and I are both exhausted. Speaking of which, I have my drink of red wine from last night's recording, which you will see a week apart. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm drinking a Estrella, which is a Mexican beer, which I was drinking a Mexican beer last night too, but I was drinking Pacifico. But they're both in my fridge, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I was saying was if we're going to do back-to-back headers and I'm a wine person, then a lot of the times you're going to hear repeats of my drinks all the time. Because <laughs> it's hard well, to finish yeah. a bottle. Also, also, we were talking, when we first started talking about doing this podcast, you wanted to do like mostly wine. And like, I like wine, but I don't think I love wine. So I was like, let's just keep it broad and do like all alcohol. So yeah. I can make it old fashioned. And you're also more of a white wine person, cider. right? Yeah, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with white wine. It's just, I don't love either wines. Like I used to, but just red, I get the tannins give me a headache. Hmm. So, and I get really drunk on wine. Yeah. Easily. Wine's like my safe drink, which is so weird. Wine and tequila are like my safe drinks. And now, yeah. like, whiskey and scotch are added to that. Well, today's story is going to be kind of a long one. I We say that and then it ends up being about the same, but it feels like it's going to be a long one. <laughs> um, with that being said, disclaimer, like always, listen to us with your headphones on. If you're around people who don't like true crime or small children, there's going to be, you know, gory details. Sometimes this stuff has sexual assault or involves children, which we try not to do. Spoiler alert, this is going to involve children. It was too late for me to turn back after finding out all this information. Since we <laughs> have to study, 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 I was like, I am not turning back. This is back. my nervous laughter, if you guys haven't already caught on to how I laugh when I'm nervous. <laughs> I wrote this so it's not like super detailed and they're not very young children. But anyways, don't. You want to listen to the end. And I'm telling you this why, because there's a huge like shock factor at the very end and not like a gory shock factor, kind of, but you want to listen to the end. I promise you. So with that being said, let's jump into the story. And today's story is a older story. And we'll be talking about a woman named Belle Gunness. The other thing I wanted to give a disclaimer about is my me pronouncing words wrong it is a lot of norwegian words as older words so i'm just sorry for that ahead oh, is this another international story uh well she's norwegian but it is in america so we'll get into that mm. but let's start are you ready richa i have my wine so as ready as i can be <laughs> today we're going to talk about a woman named bell gunness there's a poem written about her that I think gives you a pretty good idea of what kind of lady Belle was. Belle Gunness was a lady fair in Indiana State. She weighed about 300 pounds, and that is quite some weight. That she was stronger than a man, her neighbors all did own. She butchered hogs right easily and did it all alone. But hogs were just a sideline she indulged in now and then. Her favorite occupation was butchering of men. Uh, it is quite, quite the start you've got there. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a wild ride. 
Very little is known about Bell Gunnis' earliest years. Some historians have been able to find some official papers of hers, like confirmation and census reports. But other than that, the life of young Bell is a mystery. However, we do know that she was born as Brynhild Paul Daster Storset. So that was her name. Wow. On November 11th, 1859. <sighs> and, and grew up in Ingby within the d- district of Selbu in Norway. Her father was Cher Scopper Paul Peterson Storset, who kept a farm together with his wife, Barrett. I think that's how These you say These are going to be really long names to pronounce. So I'm just going to call yeah. her Bell and her dad, Jack. Paul. Paul. Okay, Paul. wow. See, I've already lost Nadra. <laughs> and mom is Barrett. But it doesn't really matter. Like, Bell is all that really matters right okay. now. From a very young age, little Brynhild learned how to perform a variety of chores at her family's farm, including, sorry, burping. Beer does that to you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, she did a lot of chores, including mil- including milking, churning, drawing water, watching over the cattle, or going out to collect dried up twigs to be used to warm the home. In June 1874, when Brynhild was 14 years old, she was confirmed at the Evangelica Lutheran Church. Pastor Agaton Hanstein evaluating her as a, quote, good and religious, knowledgeable and diligence, quote. Apparently, that was hmm. a ranking that only half of the girls got back then. The same year, Brynhild was hired as a dairymaid by a neighbor named Rode, who later described his young helper as a, quote, diligent human being that in all ways behaved well, end quote. But as far as we know, not everybody in the neighborhood agreed with the pastor and Brynhild's employer's opinions of her. Quite the contrary. As in a local newspaper called Selbegin, another weird name, the young woman was described as, as follows, quote, she is remembered by many as a very bad human being. Oh, my God. Caprish. uh, I looked up this word and I already lost it. Capricious and extremely malicious. She had, you know what word that is? Yeah, it it has something to do with like intentionally malicious or something like calculating or something. I forget the exact definition, but something like that. Yeah. And extremely malicious. She had unpretty habits, always in the mood for dirty tricks, talked little and was a liar already as a child. And as grownups, she was still a little respected and was scum of society. Now, I mean, children lie like my two year old lies kind of he can't really say much but he Wait, hides stuff crew behind lies? his back how does he, he lie? i'll be like i'll be like crew what do you have and he instantly hides something behind his back <laughs> and then walks backwards <laughs> so like it's kind of just in you to like hide things i don't know because I, I don't know where he lo- learned that it. oh no do you remember like the day that it happened because i feel like i think about that all the time when leo's going to lie to me for the first time uh, I can't remember the day, but it was only like a month ago oh, okay. when he started doing I'm that. Trying, I'm going to start to prepare myself for it then. He's been learning about habits of hanging out with other kids. Like he learned no, 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 no. Which like, okay, I was like, I never say that word. And then I'm like, okay, no, I do say that. I'll be like, no, that's mine. That's the other word he learned, mine. And so it's like no and mine all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell did you learn that? And maybe he learned it from other kids because the other kids do say that. But maybe he learned it from me, too. So anyways, lying is kind of just part of growing up. But that is a very stark difference in the definite or like the descriptions of her from 
her employer and pastor. But then again, you're on your best in front of like a pastor and your employer and you don't really give a fuck beyond that. So it kind of makes sense, but they're also very, very different. So it's almost like two different people that they're describing. Right. Back then, it could have been two different people. I mean, it could have been um, multiple personality disorder or something, you know? Yeah. Plus puberty. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) What a bitch that puberty is. Puberty is the worst. So it sounds like there might have been something wrong with Bryn Hild from the start. However, it is important to note here that by the time the Cell Began editorial was published, people were already aware of her crimes. Hmm. Their memories of the young dairy maid had most likely already changed to fit better the person Brynhild had become. Nevertheless, in 1881, 22-year-old Brynhild was, was invited to the United States by her older sister, Nellie, who lived in Chicago. Together, they, together with her husband, John L. Larson, soon after she arrived, Brynhild changed her name to Belle Peterson. And like many other Norwegian immigrants before her, Belle started working as a servant, taking in laundry, doing sewing and cleaning homes. Hard labor was nothing new to a former farm maid. But at the same time, Belle dreamed about a different kind of life. She wanted riches, as Nellie remarked. And then we're going to do about a paragraph here from Nellie. So start with quote, my sister was insane on the subject of money. She would do anything to get it. Also, Belle's love for money, perhaps because of deprivations of her youth, seemed to be stronger than her love for another human being. Again, Nellie observed, she never seemed to care for a man for her own self, only for the money of luxury he was able to give her, end quote. It is safe to say that was completely true. Belle herself even said that she only stayed with her first husband because he provided her with a, quote, nice house, end quote. It also happened to happen that the same year that house burned down, Belle's marriage ended, but not in the way you would think. Oh, God. The first husband was Mads did. Mads Ditlek Anton Swartzen. We're just going to call him Mads. By all accounts, a kind and loving person with powerful built, strong Nordic features, and a handlebar mustache. Mads was five years older than Belle and worked in Mandel Brothers Department Store as a night watchman. The two got married in 1884, and after that, there is a blank of the first decade of Belle and Mad's life together. We cannot tell you much. However, Nellie said that during this time, Belle showed powerful maternal impulses and had a great love for children. So much so that Belle almost kidnapped her sister's youngest child, four-year-old Olga, who stayed with her aunt for an extended visit of six weeks. When Nellie did not let her sister keep the little girl, Belle would hardly speak to her anymore. Wow. I know. That'd be like me. Hey, Rachel, can I just take your son and not return him? I might have to shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And knowing you and judging from how our conversation is about, you would run right towards the gun because you're not afraid of guns. (laughs) Um. I don't know that about that, but I might just shoot you first. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to be like a Westerner. <laughs> Dimes of crime, cowboy style. <laughs> Eventually, Belle had children of her own with Mats, but of the four children, they had only 
they had, only two survived, and the other two allegedly died of acute cultus and hydrocopulsis, which is water in the brain, which I probably oh, butchered that word too. Wow. But That sounds ever, painful, water in the brain. Right? Ever since, and remember, like, this is the 1800s, going into 1900s, uh, you know, infant mortality is pretty... Yeah, you know, I mean, common. infant mortality. I don't even know what the average lifespan of humans was at that time. Probably like 40, 50. Yeah. Ever since, many have questioned if something more sinister happened to those two children, and you will soon understand why. Oh, goodness. In 1894, Madsen Bell purchased a small candy store at Grand Avenue and Edward Street. They sold tobacco and cigars, which I think is funny at a candy store. You're selling tobacco and cigars. <laughs> that is really funny. And newspapers and magazines. Stationery. So no actual candy in the candy store. <laughs> uh, well, candy, I guess. Tobacco would be candy to adults. Oh, I don't know. I, guess. I don't know for a fact, but I'm guessing there was also candy. <laughs> there better be. It is 1800s. <laughs> um, and some grocery staples. However, despite being located in busy commercial street, the shop failed to prosper and Bale was watching their money drain away. Uh-oh. But then less than a year later, the whole shop was destroyed in a fire. Bell, who was the only person present at the time, claimed that a small, like a gasoline lamp had exploded, even though insurance investigators did not find any evidence because they were like, hmm, okay, the shop just burned. That's a little suspicious. Let's go check it out. And when they came in, they didn't find anything really suspicious. Enter they- true crimers for the 1800s. Yeah, right. <laughs> so despite being suspicious of how the fire had actually started, they couldn't actually prove anything. So they paid Bell the money. Afterward, Bell and Mads moved to Austin, where they bought a three-story house on Alma Street. Around the time their children were born, Caroline, Myrtle, Axel, and Lucy. Caroline and Axel were the ones who died before they were even six months old. At the oh, time, gosh. the U.S. infant mortality rate was skyrocketing, so no one questioned the cause of death. Oy, oy, oy. Six months old. Wow. Yeah. Bad luck seemed to follow Bella Mads on the evening of April 10th, 1900, which I actually don't know if she actually did, you know, hurt her children because it doesn't really fit her MO, but yeah, we'll get into that. Anyway, so on the evening of April 10th, 1900, another fire broke out, this time inside their home. Fortunately, firefighters arrived soon enough to save the building. But the Sorsons lost roughly six hundred and fifty dollars worth of household goods. That might oh, not man, sound that was a lot of. I was gonna say that might not sound like a much, but if you convert it to today's dollar, it is equivalent to about twenty one thousand eight hundred. Yeah, that's a lot of money. The Chicago Tribune wrote about the fire, saying all of their property destroyed was insured. So she lucked out again, and so Bella Mads received another hefty settlement as. It was believed the fire began from a defective heating apparatus, but of course, Bell wanted more. On Monday, July 30th, 1900, Dr. J.C. Miller received a frantic call from Bell. Once he arrived at the Swanson's home, he, fell ma- he found Mads laying dead atop his bed. Soon after, oh. another doctor, the family physician Charles E. Jones, also arrived at the scene. And once they questioned Bell, the two doctors learned Mads had been suffering from a bad cold. 
Belle said that her husband had come from work that morning complaining of a fearful headache. She had then given him a dose of quinine powder, which I don't know if quinine that's how he's... Quinine is super strong. Do you know what quinine is? Quinine is it's like, like comes from a, a tree malaria bark. drug. Oh, really? It also is given for malaria. Like, it's not a fun fact, but unfun fact. I had malaria back when I was in India as like a 16 or 15 year old, something like maybe 14 year old year old. And one of the drugs that I was given was quinine. It's a really powerful drug and it has to be administered under control, at least in today's times. And I've even heard that I think it's strong enough to make people hallucinate sometimes. Oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. I want I want some. <laughs> yeah, I do not want some. I think they had to like, they made me, oh, that was like the worst time uh, because you had to like, not because of the drug, but they would give you the drug, they would give you your food and then every morning they had to take my blood test so I had to fast because it had to be a fasting blood test uh, it was like the worst like week or whatever of my life I think <laughs> that sounds really terrible okay it's not the worst week but it has to be up there somewhere <laughs> as like a sophomore in high school you're stuck in a hospital um, yeah that sounds miserable yeah I thought the chicken pox were bad no did you know I got the chicken pox as a 21 year old that sucks it was awful. <laughs> yeah. My the best part about chicken pox is still, I remember. My sister has still never had it. And so at that time, she had never had it. And so instead of like giving the sick person the comforts of the world, my mom and dad quarantined me to my room because my sister had finals at the time and she couldn't get sick. So I basically didn't leave my room for like, what, 10 days Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, so that sounds like COVID. <laughs> Except COVID's like more. We have been doing this now for how long? Like two and Three a half years. years. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for, I thought it was miserable to do it for 10 days. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So she gives him quinine uh, powder for his headache? Yeah. Okay. Before returning to the kitchen to prepare dinner for the children. When Belle returned to check on Mads a little later, he was dead. Dr. Miller thought that perhaps the druggist had made a mistake and given Bella morphine instead of quinine. But, of course, there was no way of checking that, as Belle said she had thrown away the paper in which the powder had been wrapped. Suspicious, but in the end, the two doctors concluded Mads had died of a subarial hemorrhage. Wondering if she had insurance on Mads. This is where it gets interesting. The thing is that it was even more suspicious was the timing of Mad's death. It was way too perfect. That Monday was the exact day when Mad's life insurance policy was about to change from one to another. And because he had died that day, Bell was now able to collect two policies at once, as one newspaper wrote. Quote, had Swartzen died a day earlier, his wife would have been able to collect only on the first policy of $2,000, or if a day later, only on the second for 3000 Dying as he did, she collected on both the old and the new policy a total of 5000 Ching, ching, cha-ching. In today's money, Mad's death made Bell $150,000 richer. Still, at this point, nobody yet knew what was really going on. However, during Matt's funeral, Nellie said that a terrible feeling came over her. She felt like something was going to happen. Nellie was not wrong. It was just going to take eight years before she understand the meaning of the sense of impending doom. 
dun 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 bell left chicago <laughs> I, know, I was right? waiting for you to do it but you didn't do it so i had to do it bell left chicago with her daughters myrtle and lucy along with a foster daughter named jenny olson with the insurance money she bought a 48 acre farm in la port indiana and we know bell she worked on a farm so she knows how to run a farm no problem Belle's neighbors would know her by a different name. Now she was Belle, and not long after, her sitting name was going to change to Belle Gunness. In April 1902, Bear, Belle married a name. Sorry. In April 1902, Belle married a man named Peter Gunness. Mm. A fine looking blonde Viking of a man with clear blue eyes and a pointed yellow beard and mustache. Viking? Ooh. Mm, yeah. Belle and Mads had briefly taken... Well, we both know we like the Viking type because... (laughs) (laughs) That's like our husbands. Blonde, blue-eyed. Not shocking at all. Well, at least Drew's blonde and blue-eyed. I think Connor has two different colored eyes. Yeah, he does. Belle and Mads had briefly taken in Peter many years ago when he had been a boarder and now the two met again. So finally... Burn Hild, Paul Dats, Paul's daughter, Sorset, had became Belle Gunness, as she is still known today. However, tragedy seemed to follow her wherever she went. She Just- killed a Viking? <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, they do describe her as 300 pounds. Uh, okay. Just five days into the marriage, Peter's infant daughter died due to edema of the lungs. And eight months later, it was Peter's turn. Oh, my God. This Around- is so sad. Around 3 a.m. on Tuesday, December 16th, Belle's foster daughter, Jenny, ran to a neighbor's house yelling, quote, Mama wants you to come up. Papa's burned himself, end quote. Once the neighbor, Swan Nicholson, arrived at the Guinness farmhouse, he found Belle sitting in the kitchen and Peter laying on his nose and blood on the floor. Swan tried to check his pulse and talk to him, but he did not get an answer. A doctor was fetched and once Beau Bowell, the county coroner at the time checked the body he could tell peter had already been dead for some time he had a wound on the back of his head and his nose was broken to boat this definitely did not look like an accident no he was sure peter had been murdered oh Bo then tried to talk to bell who was hysterical but still able to get some kind of explanation of what had happened according to her peter had gone to retrieve his shoes that he kept near the stove to stay warm once he had stooped a meat grinder had tumbled from the shelf above his head striking the back of his skull so this meat grinder out of nowhere just flies and hits him in the head well, Man, I guess they called like the 1980s what the golden age of serial killers. Maybe they should have called like the 1800s the golden age of serial killers. I was thinking like this would have been so easy to get away with shit back then. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. Like this just seems way too weird, you know. Right. Like, first husband, second husband, second husband dying like on the day she had two policies. Her candy shop burned down, one? her house burned down. Candy shop in quotes, no fucking candy. Get out of here. <laughs> Apparently, Peter had assured Belle afterward that he was all right and was going to get some rest. But then a couple hours later, she found her husband dead on the parlor floor. Needless to say, Bo did not trust a word that came out of Belle's mouth at this point, but decided to wait until the postmortem before he said anything. 
That same afternoon, Dr. Bo Bowell and another local physician, Dr. H.H. Martin, performed the autopsy. The report said, quote, no evidence of scalds or burns on the entire body. The nose was lacerated and broken, showing evidence of severe blows or the result of falling upon a blunt article such as the edge of a bore. So blunt force trauma. Yeah. The most significant injury was a laceration through the scalp and external layer of skull about an out about an inch long, situated just above and to the left of the octopal pro I can't say that word, pro barance, but that's like literally smack down in the middle, like bottom of your skull, but like right in the middle. Right where Ugh. your like spine meets your head. There was also marked in cranial hemorrhage, it was concluded that Peter Guinness had died due to shock and pressure caused by a fracture and said hemorrhage. The result did not dispel doubts about the story Bo had gone from Bell. Yeah, because he clearly didn't burn. He was dead before he even burnt. Right. And yet, after the inquest, he issued his findings reporting that Peter's death was just a tragic accident. However, by the time, rumors were already circulating about a killer wife, and it definitely did not help that Belle's own daughter, five-year-old Myrtle, told her schoolmate one day that, quote, my mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell oh. a soul. What? She hit him with a meat cleaver. Don't tell a soul. Can you imagine hearing that secret from like a friend? Either I would have been too young to comprehend what she just said and been like, oh, cool. OK, let's go on the slides now. Or I would have been like, what? I need to go tell my mom and the rest of the school like right now. <laughs> right. Also, the other thing I was thinking here is like Bell goes by Bell Gunnis, which is Peter Gunnis's last name. Like if I was that family, I'd be so mad that she had that name. Uh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, but- don't do anything. Don't do anything stupid, Haley, because we both have cooks names now. <laughs> <laughs> There's you know how many cooks there are. I always tell my husband that I'm like, cook is such a basic name. Sorry, all the family who's listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I have a no- I have a Norwegian last, last name. I've literally never met another cook before. Our family. Oh, really? Have you? Yeah. Yeah, lots of cooks, but I'm so I don't know. They Too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, I have a very like Nordic last name, Swearingen, and mm-hmm. so to me, like I don't know, I was very. It's hard for me to let go of that name. But anyways, I do like your name. It like just kind of rolls off the tongue, Swearingen. Yeah, Swearingen. a lot of people say swearing ton. And anyways, it's Norwegian, just like the story. So <laughs> after her second husband's death, Belle began posting personal ads in Norwegian language newspapers to find a new companion. One read, quote, personal, commonly widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in L.A. Pork County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triplers need not apply. Piggy much, Miss Bell? (laughs) There's a reason for that. Once the men arrived at Bell's farm with their money, they mysteriously disappeared. Among these men were John Moo, Henry Gerholt, Olaf Severnherd, Oli B. Budsberg, Olaf Lindblom, Andrew Hengelin, to name just a few. In addition, it feels like you're reading some sort of like Norwegian or like British like 
mythical book and <laughs> i am not following like any of these names that's how i, I feel when we do Belle. your idea yeah <laughs> right. i just know bell and then i know that her husbands are dead and now that she's killing all these olafs that's what i heard i'm sorry guys that's all it, it i'm sorry it's oh there is two my... olafs there's two yeah. olafs and <laughs> see i wasn't making it up i did hear yeah. olaf in there in addition amongst disappeared people was bell's foster daughter jenny who she claimed had gone to Los Angeles. Meanwhile, neighbors noted that Belle had begun to spend an unusual amount of time at her hog pen during nighttime and spent a lot of money on wooden trunks. Oh, my God. Have you watched the movie um, Hannibal? Uh-uh. Never mind. Then I'm not going <laughs> to. Because I was about to describe like a very gruesome scene that I think anyone who's watched that movie will remember. It's the one where he like throws the guy with who has like the mangled face it went into the hungry like i think it is a hog pit and they basically like maul and eat him oh wow well so what's going on here is so that jenny the the foster daughter the the neighbors like would see her every day and then they didn't see her so they called the police and the police came and like investigated and Belle was just like yeah she went to school in Los Angeles to teach abroad and there or to you know teach whatever not abroad but teach in another state and they didn't have any reason like they were like all right that's kind of suspicious but apparently Belle was like one of those people that you just had to take seriously like she was very like matter of fact about everything she said so people just and back then too you have to think like how would they have investigated a missing person yeah i mean they we barely got around to investigating missing persons like in the last two decades so yeah in 1906 bell began taking talking with yet another man andrew heligen with whom she exchanged romantic letters one of the letters wrote we shall be so happy when you once get here my heart beats in wild rapture for you my andrew i love you come prepared to stay forever and by Wild forever, rapture. Bell literally My meant. Goodness, what kind of language <laughs> is this? I guess it is the 1800s. It's so fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like I'm but... happy if my husband like sends me a full text that goes beyond "come home." Need to put him to bed. <laughs> I know. I blush if I get a bl- one that's like, "I love you so much. You're so beautiful." I'm just happy Which with emojis, just hard eyes and like kissy faces. <laughs> You've got me there. I can't imagine Drew being very. Um, uh, romantic but he does do it for the right people yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm definitely not the right person so. <laughs> i don't actually know i don't want to picture how he was with his exes but i was but I, he doesn't come across as the person who does any of it but every now and then he does and it shocks oh, me God. too <laughs> drew the viking <laughs> yeah his love language is not emojis for sure <laughs> right and by forever bell literally meant forever Andrew moved to her farm in Elport, Indiana, on January 3rd, 1908, and then disappeared. So his brother, Assel, soon grew suspicious of why Andrew was not writing to him anymore, and he only got strange explanations from Belle. Assel did not believe a word that he had perhaps gone back to Norway or Chicago, but just when it seemed like Belle was getting herself in a tight situation, another fire broke out. So... Basically, what happened? Like here. a legitimate, like a literal, like a literal fire. Yeah, like a metaphorical. No, a real okay. fire. But again, she burned something. So else here, down? this Good is where gosh. it gets crazy. But listen to me. So, 
Asshole like comes and meets up with Belle and he's like, hey, or he like meets with Belle and he's like, hey, where's Andrew? You guys moved in together. You guys were getting married or whatever. And she was like, oh, I don't know. He like so apparently he was supposed to get like this um, loan and he went to the bank and he like applied for a three thousand dollar loan and he got denied for three thousand dollars. But they gave him a twelve hundred dollar loan. They're like, we'll mail the check to you. So as they're like waiting for this check. Belle was watching the mailbox, like really close to the mailbox. And she had dates, apparently she had gotten the check, but then didn't like play dumb. Like, oh, I don't know where the check is. And so now she tells asshole that uh, that he got his money and then he just like left and he went and was spending his money living somewhere else. And so he doesn't believe her kind of is like suspicious of her. And she was like, well, how about you just come over and you check the farm and we'll look, we'll start a search party and we'll look for asshole, like maybe any clues of where he is or whatever. And he just didn't believe a word that she had said. But he goes. But he does go to her farm. Maybe he can find a clue. Maybe he can find a clue. (sighs) I never understand why people in horror movies and thriller movies and true crime stories are so dumb. Like you have all these like (laughs) intuitive like red flags going up in your brain. But you're like, oh, that's okay. I'll just go in the middle of nowhere to this lady that I don't trust at all and go search on her giant 48 acre farm. No. Do I have to scream it to people? No. I don't care what century it is. It screams no. Man, like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't walk into a basement that had a head. I wouldn't walk into... Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it just... I wouldn't. Like, I wouldn't... We haven't done that story yet into, either, but we don't have any information We haven't, but, like, the one with the Carnation Massacre, where is it? Lindsay? Who just, like... Is it Lindsay? I can't remember that friend's name now. Oh, Linda. Who walks in and stays for, like, yeah, 30 minutes or 35 minutes till the police come. No, no, guys, no. You guys are all much braver than I am, but I wouldn't do any of this. I don't know what I would do, like I say. On April 27, 1908, Belle had gone to see a lawyer about issues she had with her former farmhand. Ray Lampier. According to Bell, she and Ray were on and off lovers, and she was now looking for a new husband. Ray had begun to act extremely jealous and threatening. Bell said, "Wait, what happened to Asshole? We're gonna he we're, we're to gonna get into it." Oh. Bell said, "That man is out to get me. I fear one of these days he will burn my house to the ground." She's talking about Asshole. Uh, yes. Mm. So she's telling Ray about Asshole. I th- no. I wait. I'm confused now. I think she's, yeah, she's saying, I think she's talking about Ray. I think Ray, so Ray, Ray or asshole. I can't remember, but we'll, we're going to go into it a little bit. Okay. Hopefully she's into Ray, right? She's like, Ray Ray. is like her handman, handyman. Ray works for her. Oh, okay. Uh, But they were also, I guess, on and off lovers, but I don't know. Well, we'll, we're going to get to the bottom of this, okay? We're on a case here. We're going to get to the bottom. This is exactly (laughs) what happened just some hours later. Around 4 a.m. that night, Belle's neighbors noticed her farmhouse was in flames, in ruins. Authorities discovered... Again with the fire. In ruins. Authorities... Pick a new M.O. (laughs) Oh, she did. She picked a new M.O. here. Authorities discovered the bodies of a headless adult woman. Not sure how, but still initially identified as Belle Gunnis. Wait, she was headless? Yep. She cut... She she butchered herself? And her three children. 
Oh my god! I'm nervously laughing now. I need to take a break. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> You can't help yourself. I'm so tired, but this is like not where I thought this was going at all. As the police kept searching the Gunnis farm, they found remains of at least 11 additional people, including arms hat. 11? 11. Wait, wait. I need to do the math. Sorry. Going back. It was Belle, her three kids, maybe Ray and Assel. So that makes like six people. 11? They found 11? Oh, wait. No, there were all these men coming with their money that had disappeared yep oh yeah, yeah yeah. okay okay so they found 11 including arms hacked from the shoulders down and masses of human bones wrapped in loose flesh that dripped like jelly oh Belle had definitely kept herself busy <laughs> as soon as oh, Assel- that was a very graphic image Haley. <laughs> dripped like jelly Blech. it was a quote so i think it was written by like you know the loose outlets. As soon as Assel Helligen heard what was happening at the farm, he contacted the police. So he didn't, I guess he didn't end up going to the farm. I thought, oh, so he wasn't one of the he, 11 people. No. He contacted the police and came to visit the property. Soon after, Andrew's heads, hands, and feet were found in a soft depression stuffed into an oozing gunning sack. Many other bodies authorities were not able to identify, but they did find the oozing. Foss- I'm sorry. I'm still stuck at oozing. <laughs> Jelly oozing. What are these words? You don't like them? <laughs> these are not the words to describe dead bodies. They're making me nervous laugh slash like have very weird images in my brain. Anyways, oozing. Got it. Many other bodies authorities were not able to identify. Identify. But they did find, dun dun dun, the foster body, the foster daughter Jenny Olson, <gasps> who Bell has said, "quote left for California." Unquote. Soon after the discovery, she was fourteen, I think, at the time. Oh my god! Soon after the discovery of the horse that had taken place at the Gunnis Farm, it became a local and national attraction. To the point that vendors reported reportedly sold ice cream, popcorn, cake, and something called Gunna Stew to visitors. Was it oozing and jelly-like? I'm <laughs> guessing it was liquidy and chunky. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, authorities still try to figure out if the headline's corpse was indeed Belle Gunnis. It did seem like the body was too small to be her. After all, Belle was a big woman. But otherwise, there was just no way for the investigators to say for sure. In the end, Ray Lamperm, who was arrested on May 22, 1908, so Ray's body wasn't there either, and charged only with arson, but not with any of the murders. Oh, it looks like Belle's alive. He said, quote, I know nothing about the house of crime, as they call it. Sure, I worked for Miss Gunnis for a time, but I did not see her kill anybody, and I didn't know she had killed anybody, end quote. But, of course, that was not true. Also, can I just mention it's really weird that they were selling popcorn and candy and cakes at this house? That's just bizarre. I mean. Oh, yeah. And gonna stew. They called something gonna stew. I'm not saying I wouldn't have gone there to eat some of it and see the house. But <laughs> that, That's but why I think you and I, I, we are different. Like, I don't want to go to some murderer's house, like, where all these bodies were found. Okay. It's creepy I, to me. I think... I think I want to go there not because, like, 
I want to see the site where all these horrible things happened. It just, to me, is the same reason you go to, like, a historical monument. The idea that someone could have had such an entirely different experience there than when I am, ha- what the one I would be having in that moment, it could be positive or negative. Like, you know, like, you could be going into, like, this is why I want to go to the Anne Frank house. That's such a negative um, it's not a negative, but it's such a like sad story. I think I've been to, to where me, is the Anne Frank house? Cause I think I've been there. I think it's Amsterdam. No. Oh no, I haven't been to Amsterdam. Never mind. There was is one I went to. I can't remember now where it is. It's, it's somewhere. In, wait, I have to look it up. Short break for Google. <laughs> Let's yeah. Google that. Pretty sure it is Amsterdam. Anne Frank house. Yeah, it's Amsterdam. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, you can go and see it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure you and like a few of our other true crime lovers and maybe I would. I can't say for sure that I wouldn't, but it's just never been a desire of mine to like go to these places. I wouldn't go out of my way. Like this isn't yeah. going to be like, which oh, I'm going to book actually, tickets and go to that which house. Is actually, it's like, if I happen to come upon it, I'll go Which there. is a funny story because like um, I love Bailey Sarian, who's a makeup artist who talks about true crime. And she posts on our Instagram story that she was like, talking to an uber driver she got an uber and she was talking to her uber driver and she was like yeah like this is what i do for a living i'm a youtuber and i talk about true crime and he was like no fucking way let me show you all these murderers houses and she was like yeah let's go and she was like i tell you guys how to do stupid things but that so i can do stupid things which i thought was funny so i was like yeah i'm not getting into a random uber and then having him take me to <laughs> houses where people <laughs> scenes are of crime. And like, no, that sounds. I like think what if I was like that football player, Aaron Hendrick, whatever his name is, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. That is a crazy, crazy story where he's not a female, clearly. So we're never going to do that story. But that is a very good documentary. On yeah. Netflix. Anyways, let's get back to the story here because we're almost. OK, yeah, so Ray finished. was arrested. He says he wasn't involved with he this. He says he didn't it know was, about he her. He doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. Okay. But of course, that was not true. Ray had known very well what was going on on the farm and had participated in the horrible crimes. But he waited until his deathbed to finally tell the truth. Ray admitted that he and Belle had killed 42 men together. 40 fucking two. Yeah. After getting their money. Men. And this doesn't include her kids, right? No. After getting their money, she had poisoned them, bashed their heads in and cut up their bodies. And Ray had taken care of quote the planting end quote she might have topped Catherine knight oh yeah for sure i didn't think that was possible i feel like all these old school serial killers are always so gnarly right barbaric man yeah oozing jelly like barbaric (laughs) ray eventually died in prison but the most maddening thing is that we still do not know what happened to bell gunnis not even over a hundred years later some believe she really died that day she was even pronounced dead But her head being missing is just way too convenient. Not to mention that the body was five inches shorter and about 50 pounds lighter than Belle. I think it was way more likely that she had faked her own death to escape the inedible. To add to the mystery, a woman named Esther Carlson was arrested in 1931 in Los Angeles for poisoning a Norwegian American man and attempting to steal his money. Sounds a lot like someone changed identities and moved. Uh, yeah. Everything in that sentence alone screams Belle Gunnis. But in addition, those who saw this woman noticed that Esther bore a striking resemblance to Belle. She even had a photograph of children that looked a lot like Belle's children. 
that's just fucking creepy. So you killed your children and now you keep a memory and a keepsake of them. Oh, right. But unfortunately, we do not know more than that. Esther died of tuberculosis while awaiting her trial, leaving everyone with more questions than answers. In 2008, 100 years after Bell's alleged death, DNA tests were performed on the headless corpse that was found on the Gunnis farm in the attempt to compare it to a sample from a letter Bell had sent to one of her victims. But unfortunately, due to the age of the sample, the test failed. To this day, it is not confirmed when and where and how Bell Gunnis actually died. Most likely, we will never know. As long as she's dead, I don't care. And that is my story for today. Quite the story. I think this is not even from the century, so that makes it unique. <laughs> right? I think it's our first, like, old, old story. Mm-hmm. It's surprising for such an old story how much data there is or how much, like, yeah, research you can do on it. So I'm surprised. That's actually very pleasantly surprising not the oozing jelly part but just the fact that there's all this info (laughs) about it yeah i think uh there is quite a good amount of info i mean what they could find and well the fact that she killed so many people still in la port of indiana i do not know that you should google it i will stay tuned maybe we'll do a story on instagram about it yeah there you go uh anyways you know the, the the deal here um like, subscribe, leave us a review, please. Tweet us, DM us, IM us, whatever. You know, email us. <laughs> Every single te- port of technology that you can think of, we're available on. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, with a drink at hand. Don't let the murder thoughts bite. <laughs>